is Everyday Leaders. I'm your host, Melanie Ake. Everyday Leaders is an inspirational show to help you develop strategies to overcome everyday obstacles in your life. Today's guest applies valuable leadership principles to live his life with success. Kelly Glover is my guest today. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 Show 1 starts now. Welcome to the program, Kelly. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for asking me. Thank you for letting me twist your arm and getting you on the show. Um, so I want to open up the show by having Kelly talk about his story a little bit. Um, I think from this podcast, the purpose is to inspire others through our lives. And Kelly has a very interesting story that, um, well, a little bit of background. We went to high school together. and A couple years ago. A couple years ago. That's all we'll say. Um, but there are things that you do through your life that you bond with people. And, and some of those are, we all go to grade school and middle school and high school. And it seems like no matter what happens in our life, we still have this bond because we were in classes together. We experienced, you know, our teenage years together. We went to sports. Uh, we all cheered for the same team. And so you always kind of have that connection through your entire life. And um, the reason that Kelly is here today, because he has a story to share about his personal obstacles, strategies, and I feel like his story can help so many other people to, um, to just attain success daily uh, through his story. So um, if you could, Kelly, just talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, where you are in your life um, today, what you do in your career, and, and kind of what's going on. Okay. Um, well, I, uh, I'm an engineer in, uh, at a uh, company in uh, Shelbyville, Indiana. Uh, we make uh, rubber boots for vehicles, and uh, so I'm a quality engineer down there. So all of you other engineers out there can kind of understand that uh, when you have an engineering mind, you want to take things apart and fix them and uh, make things um, fit together into this puzzle. I talked to Kelly a little bit about when you have this brain, you want things to, to kind of be in a symmetrical line. And... <clears throat> The reason that Kelly's on this program today is because not only is he an engineer and a friend, but he has had some challenges in his life. And in the last few years, he has experienced some things that I feel like some other people in the world can connect to because it's not only about his experience, but it's about how he has faced those challenges. So um, can you tell us a little bit about you know, what's happened to you in the, in the past few years? Sure. Um, you want me to go back to kind of when all this yeah. started? Yeah, take okay. us back to the beginning. Yeah, so uh, it was probably, well, it was actually 2008. Um, I had uh, gotten to a, a point where I wasn't, I just didn't feel that great. Uh, had some weight gain um, where I was uh, riding my bike after work, uh, doing a lot of physical activity, lifting weights, you know, that something that I loved ever since high school. I got to the point where uh, I couldn't do it anymore. I was fatigued after work. Uh, just something was wrong. Um, you know, I think it's, uh, it's funny how your, your body has a way of telling you, you know, some, something's wrong. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I had gone to the doctor, and uh, strangely enough, I had a, a, a fill-in doctor uh, my other doctor was on vacation, and this guy looked through my file, uh, maybe where another doctor wouldn't have. 
um, my regular doctor wouldn't have, and uh, saw some things that were odd. Uh, so he had ordered some tests and uh, an echocardiogram. Uh, so I had taken off work, got an echocardiogram on September twelfth, two thousand eight. These dates kind of stick out in your mm-hmm. head when you when you have something like this. So uh, ended up meeting uh, a couple good friends, uh, Mark Hubley and Aaron Vaziri at. Uh, a wing place and getting some dinner and got a call from my doctor. Uh, Said, hey, I usually don't do this, but you need to go to the hospital right now. I've already called them. They're waiting on you. Um, So that's all I got. I have no idea what's going on. Um, uh, So I went to St. Francis ER and uh, they looked at the echo and found a 10 centimeter by 17 centimeter mass in my chest. Uh, this was pushing up against my pulmonary artery, which would account for a lot of the fatigue and the general bad feeling that I had. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, that kind of started a chain of events that uh, just, uh, uh, to me, was spinning out of control. Uh, you know, what? not a lot you can do about it. Mm-hmm. So I uh, saw, saw a few doctors um, you know, uh, one doctor at St. Francis said, you know, there's nothing we can really do about this except cut you open and remove this mass. Um, he directed me to a doctor, uh, Mary Lou Meyer, who was an oncologist and knew right away that this was some form of cancer, uh, that I needed to get a biopsy. Um, so, uh, uh, ended up getting a biopsy and found out that it was a malignant tumor in my chest. And, uh, uh, so that led me down to IU Health, um, which I think it's IU Health now. They've changed names a few times, but um, so that's uh, that's where I ended up dealing dealing with my with my problems. So mm-hmm. um, it uh, I I don't know exactly how how far into detail you want me to go with this medical issue. Um, yeah, but how did so? I guess from just a, a listener's perspective. How did that change your life immediately? Like, how did that impact you, your thoughts about the world? You know, when somebody says you have cancer or, or you have a problem and then we're going to go here and have another test. But when you heard that word malignant. It uh, definitely gets your attention. And I, I guess the, the reason I kind of went backwards uh, when I started telling you this story, uh, and I think a lot of people in the cancer community can probably tell you the same thing is, you know, there, there's something that leads up to this, this diagnosis of cancer. So I had a couple weeks there where we know something's wrong. We don't know exactly what it is. Uh, we know there's got to be a biopsy. So there's this big waiting game. So you kind of, I had these two weeks to, to sit and think about what, you know, is this going to be cancerous? What if I do? If it is, you know, you're, you're just kind of at a loss. So by the time I got the phone call that actually said, hey, this is cancer, um, I think I had had time to prepare in my mind uh, a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. So, you know, immediately I hear this, and the minute I hung up the phone, it was, okay, what do I do now? I need a plan of attack. Uh, you know, how, how am I going to take care of this? I knew I had to call doctors at IU. Um, uh, you know, I knew, I knew that was the place I needed to be just by talking to other oncologists and other surgeons. Um, but you know, the, the, the other thing I thought besides that was, 
probably half an hour after getting that call, I went to Cracker Barrel. <laughs> <laughs> I called my mom. I called my mom and, and my stepdad and uh, um, started building a support team. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's, that's automatically going to start with your immediate family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's the uh, first thing you turn to is uh, probably since, you know, I was a kid, uh, mom will fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. what do I do here? If so. mom can't fix it, Cracker Barrel can, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they might cause a host of other problems, but <laughs> I sure felt better. <laughs> so, um, so we talk about a lot, you know, a lot of things that you've experienced kind of reflect, and, and I want to kind of take us down kind of the leadership role of how this mirrors some things in leadership qualities. Um, you talk a lot about your mom, right? And, and modeling um, is one of the laws that we always teach on. And so how did your mom and what she taught you growing up, what are the values that she instilled in you to help you through this challenge of uh, your diagnosis? Um, well, you know, I, I was, uh, mom was raised me pretty much by herself. So, you know, um, uh, I think uh, just work ethic and, uh, you know, not letting things get you down. Uh, you know, there's, there's, always, there's always something you can do. Um, and, you know, like I was saying before with the, the support, there's, you know, there's, there's somebody you can call. Um, uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, uh, through sports you learn, you know, uh, you got to take action yourself. Um, you know, you got to find a way to deal with this, a way to cope. Um, so I think just by, uh, you know, watching my mom go through the struggles that she did, uh, growing up in a, a single parent house like that, you know, you just, uh, you don't give up, you, you, you find a way. And, uh, you know, I think that's, you know, when people ask me about this cancer diagnosis, um, you know, I think there's a lot of people that don't realize, uh, you know, they're like, how did you deal with this? Well, you just deal with it because when your back's up against the wall, you find out there's things you can deal with maybe that you didn't know you could not could before. So what, <clears throat> so from, from watching your mom and, and knowing that, you know, if you have a struggle in your life, you can, you can surely overcome that. So strategies, um, when, when I think about, you know, walking into a hospital and you say, when you walked in, you were not a cancer patient. When you walked out, you, you are, right? Yeah. Your life kind yeah. of changes. And, um, and so that kind of puts you into perspective of how do you, um, what are the strategies now you, you do to design your life around being this cancer patient? Like, what were the things that you had to change in your life? Um, if anything, did you have to change things in your life? now to kind of accommodate, you know, testing and schedules and, um, yeah. And I, I did, there's, uh, there's a lot of things you have to change mentally. Um, there's a lot of, uh, I, I keep going back to this support thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, you, you learn that, uh, you can't do all of this on your, on your own. You, you need help. Uh, I had a great boss, uh, you know, somebody that would let me off work. Uh, I had several surgeries that required six, eight weeks at a time off. Um, you know, so you, you learn to adjust 
how to deal with schedules, time management. Um, you learn uh, I, I, just not to give up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, you have to find a way to deal with this stuff because life doesn't stop. You know, you've, you've got to find a way to, to make things work. Mm-hmm. So um, there's another law, and I'm going to keep reflecting back on these because I teach this so much. Okay. But I think, you know, part of this is helping people understand that when you're faced with something like this, you know, I, I want to help inspire them to say there are new things that you're going to have to do. But it, um, we talk a lot to our classmates and um, when I coach people about reflecting you know thinking about the things that you've gone through and how how important that has been to you how that changes your life so I'd just like for you to share a little bit about you know now that you've gone through this experience what you're looking forward to um, for the next phase of your life because now you've really had time to think about it like okay I am this patient right you look in the mirror and say I am Kelly Glover yes and I am a cancer survivor, right? I'm surviving this. And so what does that look like? What's the next phase look like to Kelly? Well, um, I, you know, it, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely, a, you know, it's an adventure each step. But, um, you know, uh, I've reconnected with another classmate, uh, Sonia Gunning uh, Nichols now, uh, but, uh, you know, the next phase is, uh, you know, to continue on what I started, uh, my engineering career. Um, you know, I think the one thing that I've, that I, I guess that this whole cancer experience has, has sunk in with me is, you know, when you're faced with that, that fear, that diagnosis or, uh, multiple diagnoses. You know, I've I've had a couple recurrences. Um, some of the stuff that that seemed really important before kind of starts to fall away, and you start to realize that it's the people and the experiences in your life that really matter. Um, so I would say it's changed me to the point that uh, I, I'm a little more laid back. I think I'm a little more um, in tune. With, with the people in my life, mm-hmm. whether it's my immediate family, uh, maybe friends I haven't talked to in a while, uh, definitely, uh, you know, this relationship that I have with Sonia now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things, uh, the people in the experiences become much more important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I've taken away from this. Mm-hmm. That's awesome because it's about being aware we, we talk about awareness all the time. Like if you're not aware of your surroundings, you can't really change it, right? And so right. the things that, I, I think this whole reflection of when you find out that there's something that you need need or want to change and something maybe motivates you to change, right? You've gone through an experience. Um, sometimes it's fear, right? As you're going through this change, you're afraid, of what it might look like on the other side. You know, sure. I may have to change my environment. I have may have to change friends or family. Um, but how did you deal specifically with fear? You know, when you woke up in the morning and thought, you know, can I get through this? And you've talked about your mom a little bit, but um, what else is there inside Kelly Glover that says, you know, goodbye fear, shut the fear up. I'm not going to let this get me. 
Gosh, I don't know. I, I don't know <laughs> if I can. You know, the, the truth about that is, um, and I was talking to Sonia about this when, when you'd first asked me to do this podcast. Um, and I thought, you know, you think to what, what inspires you, what drives you, what makes you get through all this. And the fact is, sometimes you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, there are times that I'm beat, you know, that, that you, um, you know, you're down, you, you know, all I can do is lay on the couch and then hours later, maybe a day later, you get up and you say, you know, you, you got a choice here. You know, you can either lay here and let this get you, mm-hmm. um, or you can get up and live, you can live your life. Um, so, you know, the, uh, I think one of the things, uh, you know, I, when, when the cancer diagnosis first came through, uh, uh, I wasn't finished with school yet. And, um, and I, I thought, you know, now I, it, this has gotten to the point where it, it's hard for me to breathe when I'm walking. It's, um, uh, you know, some days it was hard just to get through work after that first surgery. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you just make a choice. And I thought, you know, I got to finish this degree. So, you know, you enroll in that first class back and, and you, you, you just move. You just have to, you have to make a move and, and you have to just make a choice mm-hmm. not to let it beat you. Mm-hmm. So um, if, if we talk about, there's something that, that really inspires a lot of us that teach some of these laws, which are, um, a law of the rubber band. And when, when we talk about a rubber band and it stays in one position, so it's just laying on a table, when you put it on something, it has to stretch. And when, so you put it around your hand or your wrist and it has to stretch to get to that consistency. And then when you take it off of your wrist, it can never go back to its original state. It can never go back to that small little rubber band that was in the, in the bag. Um, if you think about that analogy, what's, what's changed you? How, how are you different um, now that you've kind of gone through this experience the last 10 years? Oh, boy. Um, well, I, I would have to say that oh, this is a lot harder than I thought. <laughs> Um, the thing that's changed me, I would say that it's probably softened me up as far as, um, I don't know, maybe made me a little more laid back. Um, you know, I talked before about, uh, how people and the experience is a little more important in your life. Um, I think there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, when we're a little bit younger, we're a little edgier, um. You know, you get caught up in, in some of the, you know, the little annoyances in life and, and things like that. And now I, I, I don't think I let things bother me as much. Um, you know, you learn to blow things off and, and maybe appreciate people for, for what they are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, realize everybody's not perfect and everybody's going through something, I think. And that, that's... You know, that's the one thing, um, just going through what I have, you know, you kind of, you just kind of soften up a little bit, appreciate more people, Mm -hmm. appreciate people more. Mm -hmm. Uh, I appreciate that because it's, 
you feel that, but until you experience something, I think it's so hard for people that have the shell, you know, and they think, oh, I'm not going to let people in because I'll get hurt or I don't want to experience that pain. But, um, you know, I teach and we, we talk a lot about pain creates growth. If you go through something, you're going to have to figure out how to manage it and how to get through it, right? And you've sure. talked a lot about, you know, when you were young, you watched your mom and she really set you up for success today to be able to get through this sure. um, like you have. And so it's so important for people to understand that, you know, and you've touched on this too, that, you know, you're not alone. You need to get support if you're going through something that's tough and challenging and fearful to be able to reach out to others and, and get that support group because yeah. that's what's... You know, essentially, that's what's going to help you kind of get to that other side. Yeah, so, definitely. So, so if you think about, like, if you go to Colorado now and you have this different life, you're going to change your environment and uh, don't don't ski and break your neck or anything like that. <laughs> um, do you have any plans to to um, you know do anything different? To um, we talk about kind of contributing back to the world or talking about, you know, your experience to others, maybe in Colorado in a, in a support group or, um, you know, writing a book ever? Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's, I've had a couple of people ask me about possibly doing that. Um, and, you know, a lot of that started with uh, these clinical trial updates on Facebook. Um, you know, most of it has been, you know, hey, I had labs done today and, you know, uh, throwing some of the bold truths out there that happens when you go through a clinical trial. Um, it's a lot of, it's not very pretty. Um, you know, it's, uh, and, and I tried to be as transparent and, uh, honest as I could. And, uh, uh, you know, the funny thing is before I did this clinical trial, I was pretty closed off about my treatment. Um, you know, there was always the, uh, I don't want to really put that on Facebook because what if I do have to look for another job? Do they look at this? Am I going to be discriminated against because I've had cancer? Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, it, things that I just never would have thought of, thought about before, um, uh, I, I, it kind of came out when I, when I decided to do this clinical trial update. So there were a few people that came to me and said, hey, you know, um, I think in the first post I had, I had mentioned, you know, I, I'm not going to bore people with all the details. And people were saying, no, we need the details because this is, if there's somebody else going through this, this is what they want to hear. Um, and as I started the trial, I realized, yeah, this is uh, the, the boring details and the not so pretty things are, are what people need to hear. Mm -hmm. um, so now that I've done this, I, you know, I, I don't know if a book or anything is in the future, but uh, I definitely, I, I like giving back to the cancer community or somebody, you know, even if it's one or two people that read these posts and have been diagnosed with cancer of any kind and are going through a clinical trial uh, or, or just any kind of treatment that can look at those posts and say, yeah, um, you know, I, I understand what he's going through and they don't feel alone. Um, I, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing is, is, you know, you're not alone in this. So, um, you know, there are people that you can reach out to and I hope that that's what this, these clinical trial updates do. Uh, I had no idea that it would reach as many people, you know, I guess you don't think 
you get these friends on Facebook that every one of them has friends, and this thing just balloons when you post something like that. Mm -hmm. So um, I would definitely like to give back uh, in that form. Um, uh, I also, I, I had mentored a, uh, a robotics team at one point a couple of years ago, uh, and I might try to do something like that again in the future, but very cool. Um, yeah, very it's cool. uh, um, it's definitely nice to give back and know that somebody's getting something from it. Yep, that's what it's about. It's, you know, it's it's how you've lived your life um, with kind of this intention now, right? You've you always did, but now you go through an event that changes you, and so now you you kind of realize, right? You've told the story that doing the things that you just did naturally. You weren't really thinking about it. You just, sure. you went through it. You were, you were trained from being young with, with these strategies, right? That you didn't realize what they were, but hey, mom, be strong, get through it. You can get through anything. You can tackle it, right? Yep. And, and you have that attitude. So it's the choice and the attitude um, to be able to say, hey, yeah, it might not be such a great day, but I know that tomorrow is coming and it's going to maybe be a little bit better. Yes, right? and, definitely. And then, hey, if, if I can get through the next day, it's even going to be better than that. And I think what's neat about your story, Kelly, is that you started to realize when you, you did start sharing with others, you know, the impact that that had. And I know the community, I'm on your Facebook community. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, it's, it's um, a lot of people that recognize, like, hey, you are... St- you're going through this pain, uh, and some of us have had family or friends that have gone through cancer. Sure. Um, and but it's that connection again. It's that bond. It's that connection that we feel like we're on your team. We're your, you know, we're your cheerleaders. We're wanting to make sure that everybody um, supports you and knows that hey, if you need something, that we were all here to kind of kind of help boost you on, right? Yeah. Um, so it's great that you can. Feel confident and know that what everything that you're doing that you're sharing it is helping so many other people um, to realize like, hey, don't be alone. Don't go through it by yourself because um, it's it's much better when it's shared. Yeah, right? you get that support. Absolutely. Um. Okay, so there is a law that I want to talk to you about, and it's the law of the environment. Okay. And so from this book, this 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth that I teach a lot, uh, we talk about environment. And what it really means is growth thrives in conducive surroundings. And it, it talks about that we're only as good as the five people that we surround ourselves with. So it's basically like a meld, right? Those five people we become those characteristics. Sure. Um, okay. Have those five people in your life changed throughout the last 10 years? Yes and no. Um, I, you know, it, it's funny at the beginning of the show, you mentioned, um, uh, you know, being classmates and, and we've pretty much grown up together. Um, you know, the, the thing that I, I that I found out, you know, I, and, and I've got friends from college, and I've made, you know, friends and acquaintances throughout my life, um, and I don't know if the cancer diagnosis or some of the things that I've been through, um, I don't know if if that has made me feel this a little more, 
because I have talked to other people that feel the same way that, you know, I look back now and it's like those classmates and, and those friends from high school and grade school, you learn to appreciate so much more. Um, I think a lot of it is because, you know, we grew up uh, together. We, we, <laughs> we went through some good times and some bad times together. So um, it, it's funny to me how they become so much more important. You know, as as we get older, mm-hmm. um, so <clears throat> I, you know, just in the last year, um, I, I've got certain people that have always been there in my life, uh, and then, uh, you know, like reconnecting with Sonia, she's been back in my life for a year now, mm-hmm. um, uh, and uh, it it you know it. Where were we going with this? <laughs> <laughs> I just totally lost my train. No, it's because you're thinking about your girlfriend. <laughs> um, the five people. So it really talks about the people, the five people in your life that make you who you are because it's, it's kind of your character. Yeah. And um, so just about how that's changed in the last 10 years, you know, thinking about like who you are now. Yeah. So you were diagnosed in 2008, and I'm really, this isn't really like a cancer story, but it's just about how you evolve. So 2008 to 2018, who are those same five people, those key five people that have been in your life that have influenced you, encouraged you, inspired you, kept you focused? Well, you know, there, there's, there's a group of friends, um, and I don't know if I can limit this down to five yeah uh, because you know there's this this core group of guys that I went to school with mm-hmm. um, and of course uh, I'm gonna bring fantasy football into this because we've been in a fantasy football league for about 16 years together now isn't that sad uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so there's these group of guys that you know uh, not only do we do we have these good times, you know, where we have these fantasy drafts and we go watch some games and have a couple beers. But, um, you know, some of these guys were the same guys that were um, sitting with my mom when uh, when I went in for surgery at 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning that are down at IU Health. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, at least uh, one of those guys that, that I worked with at, I was at Ford for 12 years that uh, has been there consistently. Um, you know, there's, uh, but then there's also, there's, there are guys that I worked with uh, at Wellman that, at Wellman Furnaces where I first got into my engineering career that have, have been mentor, mm-hmm. mentors to me. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if I can limit it to just this one group of five people, <laughs> but ever all of them have contributed in some way mm-hmm. um, to to make my life positive. Uh, you know, to give me a, a career direction, uh, friendship, uh, brotherhood. You know, uh, guys that uh, you know, Mark Hewley, Aaron Vaziri, Jeff Youngman. These mm-hmm. guys that that I have grown up with and are brothers to me mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. and then there's my brother <laughs> <laughs> you know um all those people are so important um, and they're all 
integral in being part of that support mm-hmm. uh, that that has helped me get through some of the stuff that I've had to deal with mm-hmm. in more ways than one. So. What's the biggest, um, what would you say the most consistent thing that you've had to do in your life? Like from being young to now, what, when you think about the word consistency. So I would say perseverance has been probably the most consistent thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just that ability to grind, mm-hmm. to, uh, to dig in and set a goal and get there, um, whether it was uh, you know finishing school or getting through this disease. Mm-hmm. Um, just the ability to wake up and keep going. Awesome. So what's your next step? What's your next um, IU Health? What What is your next kind of challenge? Or well, um, the um, the clinical trial is about six months in now. Um, we started. I actually took. It started before June. I remember this because June twenty seventh is my birthday, and I actually took the first chemo drug on June twenty seventh. Um, but we had started a couple weeks before that uh, with the testing. Mm-hmm. Um, the good news is the drug is working. Um, the side effects are manageable. Mm-hmm. They're there, but they're manageable, uh, mostly through medication. Um, uh, you know, I'm also trying some other things. Uh, I know in one of my clinical trial updates, I had posted about the anxiety. Um, you know, every eight weeks you go in for these CT scans, and, and you know, there's a good chance drug doesn't work anymore mm-hmm. or uh, I have to change you know my my path uh, and I don't know what that's going to be uh, if I do have to do that uh, surgeries are pretty limited or well surgeries are not an option anymore mm-hmm. so my my path becomes very narrow so right now uh, the clinical trial is the way to go and uh you know, Eli Lilly is footing the bill for this thing, so I can't say enough about the care that I get at IU Health, mm-hmm. doctors, the nurses, um, and uh, Eli Lilly for footing the bill for this drug so that, uh, you know, it's been proven in breast cancer, but uh, it has never been proven in, in what I have, and mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're proving it. So That's right awesome. now we just continue the path we're on until, until I have to change that path. And, uh, you know, maybe I don't have to change it. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Every yeah. day's a new day, right? Every day's a brand new day. Wow. So um, how can people follow you? Oh, geez. How can people follow your story? Uh, right now, I'd say through Facebook. Um, if, uh, if there's anybody, if there's anybody uh, that listens to this podcast that, um, that thinks they can benefit from my story, or if they just want to follow the clinical trial updates, just friend me on Facebook, and I'll, I'll add you. Um, I don't have any kind of website or anything like that um, yet. I don't know. Maybe sometime in the future. Um, it just depends. I don't know. Some of the response I've gotten, it, it's made me think about it, but I, I haven't taken that action yet. So We'll see. But it's Kelly Glover, K-E-L-L-Y. G-L-O-V-E-R on Facebook and uh, I will connect his uh, his name and his Facebook to this podcast post so you'll be able to follow him but uh, thank you for joining us tonight 
Well, thanks for having me. I'm the, the, honored and humbled. The first 50 in 50. And it was a very great honor to have you here with us. So. Well, thanks. Appreciate it. And enjoy the journey, right? Yeah, that's right. Awesome. Get everything you can out of it. Thank you, Kelly. You're welcome. Thank you for joining me this week on Everyday Leaders 50 in 50. You won't want to miss next week's show, which is show two of 50 and 50. My guest will teach you how to live your life every day with intention. When you subscribe to Everyday Leaders in Apple iTunes or for Android in the Google Play Store, you can receive automatic notifications each week for my new shows. Join me. Everyday Leaders Show 2 starts January 28th.